0: Lumos. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Harry Podcast, the show where we analyze and discuss each chapter of the Harry Potter series from a literary perspective. I'm David,
1: and I'm Madeline. And today's episode is called Harry Podcast and Mad Eye Moody. Today we will be discussing Hagrid's motivations as a teacher, Malfoy and Ron as a classic bullying dynamic and why Moody slash Barty Crouch Jr. makes the choice to humiliate Malfoy?
0: So first off, I feel like we need to apologize to our listeners. It's been kind of a crazy summer, and we really just haven't had any time to record new episodes. So I feel badly about that, but we are going to get back onto our regular schedule. We're back now. At this point. So um, thanks for being patient, and uh, we'll, thanks get for back to, in there. we'll get back to our regular schedule of... Of uploading now. Um, But to start off with our synopsis of the chapter, the next morning Harry wakes up and is disappointed to find that no letter has arrived from Sirius yet, and he's starting to worry about it.
1: After Urology class, the Gryffindor fourth years head to care of magical creatures with Hagrid, which they share with the Slytherins.
0: Hagrid's assignment for the year, as it turns out, is to raise a bunch of blast ended scroots, lobster like creatures with stingers that occasionally explode.
1: At lunch, Hermione eats very quickly and then races to the library without explanation.
0: Meanwhile, Harry and Ron go to Divination, and then at dinner, Malfoy makes fun of Ron again because of an article in the Daily Prophet, Rita Skeeter criticizing Mr. Weasley for his handling of the Mad-Eye Moody incident just before school started, which turned out to be a false alarm.
1: After an exchange of criticism of one another's mothers, Harry turns his (laughs) back to Malfoy, and Malfoy fires a curse at Harry's back.
0: Professor Moody comes into the scene and turns Malfoy into a white ferret and then starts bouncing the ferret up and down against the floor in front of all the other students.
1: Professor McGonagall appears and is horrified to discover that this is Moody's idea of discipline.
0: Professor Moody finally relents and returns Malfoy to human form, but drags him off to then speak with his head of house, Professor Snape, who he calls another old friend.
1: Harry and Ron are thrilled at this scene and are... Very excited about Defense Against the Dark Arts with Moody tomorrow. Okay, well, let's start off with Hagrid as a character. Mm
0: -hmm. This is really our first time talking to him for an extended period in this book.
1: Yes. And we see that he is back to his old ways, has not learned his lesson at all about... (laughs) You know, having dangerous creatures that nobody else likes. Um, yeah,
0: we see this in every book.
1: In every book, but honestly, I feel like we had a little bit of a break last book, even though the hippogriff was there because we all liked the hippogriff. Like, as readers, you were like, yeah. we like, uh, you know, we like Buck the hippogriff. Peak wasn't
0: actually dangerous. Yes. It just was played up by Malfoy to get Haggard in yeah. trouble. But every other book,
1: <laughs> every I mean, other he book. We started he... off with the
0: dragon. Yes. We we learned about Aragog in book two, who's a literal man eating spider.
1: Yeah, um, so he doesn't have a great track record, but I feel like we were, you know, we felt okay about Buckbeak, and now we're into um, blast ended roots. And again, this is <laughs> a little bit different because he is a professor, he is teaching, and so it's not like necessarily this is his personal pet. But he those lines are very blurred for him.
0: Yeah, and isn't that a little bit worse in a way? Because he's like... In the guise yes, of an authority right. figure, like telling them you have to take care of these monsters.
1: Yes, it's
0: like it's very dangerous. Clearly, and I think the Slytherins are kind of right to be upset about this situation.
1: They are. I mean, the 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 Scroots are really the worst of it, in my opinion, in terms of Hagrid's, you know, creatures that he takes on because yeah, they have no personalities. They have no <laughs> cool like effects if you unless you count like randomly exploding. Cool. Right.
0: And their only, I guess, real role in the story besides as a vehicle for Hagrid's um, kind of hang up about monsters is that they appear in the third task as an obstacle right, for Harry. Right. Um, and a kind of a cool one at that. But um, it, it also is the centerpiece of Rita Skeeter's article about Hagrid later on, the expose, where she talks about how he is a potentially dangerous creature. Right. Um as as an example she talks about how he might have actually bred blast-ended scroots from mm-hmm. manticores and fire crabs um which it's heavily implied that he did and that they are um not an endogenous uh species but but are something that haggard invented um which is very yeah. illegal it's not you can't just crossbreed magical creatures So do you
1: think that that's true do you think that he probably did
0: Yeah I think yeah. He, I think he did I think yeah. he's really into dangerous creatures and he was like what if i crossed you these two us, things yeah I, I think he honestly did because he, he seems to know almost nothing about how to take care of them everything is just like well maybe they'll like this yeah, i don't know yeah. um and it's it's just very strange behavior i think it clearly comes from his psychology of like thinking that others interpret him as a potentially scary mm-hmm. monster and so he feels kinship with monsters and, and wants to take care of them and doesn't want them to f- to be ostracized. But at the same time, Scroots, there's, I mean, people say in the series, and I kind of agree with them, like, students say there's not really much point to them. Like, what do they there's do? There's no
1: real reason for them to exist. And, yeah but again, that's how he feels about himself. But I think this is really interesting, actually, this being the beginning of this book, because this is a book where, like, Hagrid. Falls in love and has a relationship. Yeah, yeah. And that is a huge, you know, that we'll talk more about, but that's a huge character step for him. And I wonder if this is this kind of a semi cry for help of the Scroots is a little bit like I am bored and not feeling great about myself. And he, mm-hmm. you know, had a hard first year as a professor and he's, you know, sad because Buckbeak is gone. And all this stuff. And so he's like really struggling. And like, you know, I wonder if, you know, after this and after Madame Maxime and all that situation, like he gets a little bit better mentally. Yeah. Um going forward. I think
0: we've discussed before, but this is a really tough year for Hagrid. Yes. Um and the and the Scroots are kind of one thing that he thinks might be fun in the year, but no one really ends up ...being interested in them mm. at all. I mean, Harry, Ron, and Hermione are only doing it because they like him. And everybody else is just putting up with it because he's their teacher and he's ordering them, too. Yeah. So, it's a tough year for Hagrid. Although, to be fair, I don't think any year after the first year is, like, a good year for Hagrid.
1: No, he has a hard he, time. He
0: struggles pretty much every book. Um, And that's part of why he's endearing to the reader is we can kind of sympathize with his struggles and, and feel bad for him. Um but it is sad i mean he's had such a hard life already um he does kind of catch a break with the mission that dumbledore sends him on at the end of this book as we'll learn about next book but he has a hard life and mm-hmm. i don't think any any book after the first one is like easy for him
1: no no so this is kind of a sad kind of a sad moment for him
0: well not this moment in particular but just the, the book in general he has a hard time.
1: Yeah, I mean this like this start with the Scroots is just like not a great start and um it's very baffling. And I think as readers it's very baffling to be like, Hagrid, what are you doing here? Like we don't get this. We don't care about this like we even as much as we cared about the dragon.
0: Yeah. I mean at least Norbert was a character. Yeah. Norberta. Um but the Scroots are not characters. No. They're just they're just monsters basically. So we're getting back into divination now, Mm -hmm. and as always, I want to come back to um, Trelawney's actual seer abilities. Yes. Because we've talked about this before, and especially last book, but um, she actually is a seer um, who does have abilities to to kind of tell people's fortunes. She just dresses it all up in so many frills and layers of um, smoke and mirrors that it seems like nonsense to people like Hermione, but she is right most of the time. Um so here she reads Harry's fortune and she reads his birth month. They're doing star signs, they're doing star charts, horoscopes. Um so the the first time reader reads this as like a funny illustration of how Trelawney is bad at fortune telling and gets stuff wrong because Harry she says, Oh, I assume you were born in midwinter. She talks all about Saturn and Saturn's role in his life, losses early on in life. Um, which that part is true, of course Mm -hmm. everybody knows that about Harry. Um But Harry says, no, I wasn't born in midwinter. I was born in July. Mm -hmm. And that's played off for laughs. It's very funny. And the first time I read that, I think I actually burst out laughing. Yeah. Um, Because it's a very funny line. But what we have to remember, coming back after we've read this series once, is um, Voldemort was born on December 31st. Mm -hmm. And a piece of Voldemort's soul is crafted onto Harry. So Trelawney is likely actually reading Voldemort's birth month yes. and Voldemort's past, which, you know, clearly also was affected by losses early in life. Right. His mother died giving birth to him. Um, and then he was raised in an orphanage. Um, so. Even though it's it's read as very funny. And, I think and it wrong. Also,
1: it's actually right. Yeah. yeah,
0: In, in a way, it is right. And, and I think this is another illustration of the author's clever way of twisting this idea that Trelawney is a bad fortune teller. Mm-hmm. Um, and putting it on its head, giving us clues when we come back to this in the future, knowing that Harry is a horcrux of Voldemort's. This scene suddenly makes sense. But before we know that information we might start to think that that's more likely because of things like this.
1: Right. Exactly. And I think it is. Yeah. This is so, so subtle and I always forget about it, but it is really something where you're like, okay, wow, this was already planted
0: yeah. in this
1: book Yeah. in this way. And it's very, it's very interesting. And I, I do like to think about how Trelawney's predictions like are, you know, all, all actually correct in mm-hmm. hindsight.
0: Yeah, and and as we continue on through the series, I'm sure we'll see more of that type of thing.
1: Okay, so getting down to the Malfoy scene, we see Ron getting extremely affected by Malfoy's taunting and, you know, frankly, like... Not very good insults about his (laughs) his parents. Um, Yeah,
0: not very clever.
1: Ron is so riled up. And if he, you know, we see this, we'll continue to see this. But if Ron would just, you know, calm down a little bit, um, then he would probably stop. And there would not be this, like, bully scenario. But Malfoy knows that it happens. And he knows that he can get Ron riled up um, as opposed to Harry and then get Harry involved which is what he wants
0: because Harry is a bit of a hothead but Ron is a total hothead yeah um especially taunts about his family and how poor they are um because Ron is so embarrassed about that yeah um that is a huge pressure point for him so Malfoy knows even just like poking at it a little bit will get Ron so angry and of course the 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 bully dynamic here is that on the one hand Malfoy wants to rile Ron up for the fun of it because he doesn't like him On the other hand, it's a bonus if Malfoy can get Ron to, like, try to use magic on him, then Malfoy can get Ron in trouble and get him detention or whatever, especially if if a teacher like Snape is around. So um, that will will be part of our reading of the next part of the scene, Mm -hmm. um, is that Malfoy is trying to bait Ron into fighting him.
1: Right, right.
0: So Harry intervenes because Harry sees what's happening pretty clearly, and he's like, trying to hold Ron back and at the same time fire back at Malfoy to kind of balance things out, you know, so it's not just Ron getting riled up. Now Malfoy is getting riled up too. Um, and I don't think Harry intended for this, but the consequence of that is that Malfoy ends up attacking Harry. Right. Um, so Harry ends up goading Malfoy into fighting him. Right. Um, and that kind of turns it on its head. Um, but Harry wasn't intentionally goading Malfoy into fighting him. I think he was just trying to fire back and and kind of, like, kind of saying, like, Malfoy, you can dish it, but you can't take it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, Malfoy's insulting Ron's mother. Harry insults Malfoy's mother. And then Malfoy gets really upset. Yeah. And Harry's like, come on. Like, yeah. you can't say something like that and then not expect some retribution. Right. Um, but that leads us into the climactic scene of this chapter, which I know you want to start on talking about.
1: Yes. I mean, this is an amazing scene. We love it. It's great. The schadenfreude is amazing seeing Malfoy, you know, be put in his place. But I think what's more interesting actually about the scene is looking at Moody slash Barty Crouch Jr. um, and what are the motivations for those Those combination of characters. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, everything that he does in this book, I feel like we should look at in the lens of...
1: Yes, I think, me too.
0: Is he playing a character? Is this his own personality coming Mm -hmm. through? Is this what he thinks Moody's response to the situation would be? Does he have ulterior motives? Um, Or is he just kind of playing it up for the audience? Um, And I think it's always a combination of things, but sometimes his own personality may weigh out or or less. Right. So just looking at it at face value, so he turns Malfoy into a ferret, starts bouncing him around the great hall Mm -hmm. or the entrance hall. Um, So looking at it at face value, Moody is an Auror Mm -hmm. who has a lot of respect for dangerous magic and he takes it extremely seriously. So the fact that Malfoy would just casually use aggressive magic against somebody while their back is turned is like infuriating to him. Yes, right. He hates (coughs) when people do that. He thinks it's a cowardly, scummy thing to do. Um, And he's now showing him like, in a very visceral demonstration, what a casual bit of magic can do, he just transfigures him. It's just mm-hmm. a transfiguration. And totally humiliating him in, him in the process, showing him how powerless he is against that kind of thing. Right. It's like, if someone did this to you, Malfoy, you would be completely at their mercy. So you don't do that to somebody else. Right. You know, that kind of thing. And it's really the first time in the series we've ever seen Malfoy get put in his place in in such a public way and in such an obvious way, like yes. Malfoy has never been like totally dominated by an authority this way.
1: And because we, I, I think you know, the, like again, like Moody is also viewed as a professor that is kind of crazy and going to take risks and do yeah. these things. So he gets to you know this is
0: our first real demonstration of that. Yeah, also. he gets
1: you know in in like the refu- in his reputation at the school, he kind of it makes sense that he would do this, and he gets to do this, and other professors like McGonagall and um you know Dumbledore and even Snape sometimes who genuinely don't like Malfoy I think like I think most of them don't like Malfoy Well
0: Snape likes Malfoy but yeah the Yeah don't. yeah that
1: that they they wish that they could put him in his place sometimes
0: to an extent but I really think that they wouldn't want to do anything They would never want to do anything this anything like this No
1: but they I would, think it's they would go so far
0: as to give him detention but they would never like publicly embarrass him or, no, of or course like, not. dominate him in that way that's a very like loose cannon thing no it's do. very
1: very like in, as we see from mcgonagall like when she intervenes but i think it's just like like you said this is the first time it's been like you know publicly and from an authority figure that malfoy has been shamed in this way yeah. and i think there's some like feeling in the school a little bit of like oh, my God, like, this bully, this, like, giant bully Uh is getting, you know. Is come up and Yeah, uh,
0: yeah, and it's cool. Like, I think he gets accolades in the moment from, like, the Gryffindors who are there. But Mm -hmm. even, like, non-Slytherins would probably be celebrating this. Because, like, it's pretty obvious to everybody that, like, Malfoy not only was goading Ron, but then, like, attacked Harry while Harry's back was turned, which is obviously a cowardly thing to do. Um, so, like, Moody intervening is seen as, like, justice in that sense. Right, right. Not necessarily turning him into a ferret, but certainly punishing him um, and and kind of punishing cowardice with that kind of, like, um, public humiliation, I think, can be very effective. So, um, Malfoy's response to this is to be, like, shamed, but also kind of try to strike back. And I think he says something, he mumbles something, but the words, my father, mm-hmm. are audible and moody's like i know your father Mm -hmm. and you tell him moody's keeping an eye on his Mm -hmm. son and then he's like you know after he gets dressed down from mcgonagall he's like all right let's go talk to your head of house that would be snape right another old friend Mm -hmm. um and he like that has i think a dual oh definitely too because on the one hand moody of course dark wizard catcher would have known lucius malfoy was a dark wizard and certainly snape was a dark wizard he has admitted as much um but uh, to the reader, you know this. This sort of confirms that both of them were maybe dabbling in the dark arts a little bit right, when they right. shouldn't have been. So that's kind of a nice thing for the reader. But also, um, it's letting everybody else know like Moody is not taking any BS mm-hmm. from these like former Death Eaters. He doesn't care about Lucius Malfoy's status in the Ministry or the fact that Snape is like a head of house. He's like, you were a dark wizard. I don't take any BS from Dark Wizards, you know what I mean? But on the other hand, Barty Crouch Jr. was also a Death Eater and sees the two of them as people who betrayed the cause and turned on Voldemort. So he's like, I'm a true believer. They were not like real Death Eaters. Right. They, They betrayed us. So I already don't like them, and now I have a grudge against Draco Malfoy, too, because he's Lucius' son. Right, so
1: if we, like, yeah, back up and think about what is just Barty Cross Jr., the true person here that's Mm -hmm. making these actions, it's what you were just saying. It's like, he doesn't like Malfoy because of those reasons.
0: Yeah, and he might have even said, like, to himself in that moment, he's like, your dad was a coward, and clearly you're a coward, too, and I'm going to do some, like, punishment for my own, like, sick sense of pleasure about, like my fantasies about getting back at Lucius. Now I'm going to take that out on you. Right. Kind of.
1: And then we have the other, the other underlying um, layer to all of this, which will happen throughout the book, which is that his motivation is to protect Harry so that he can enter and win the tournament. Right. And so not that he thinks that like, probably that Harry was going to be totally injured by that moment, but he's seeing like, look, Harry's vulnerable. He's being cursed while back his back is turned. Malfoy is someone who's like volatile and dangerous and could hurt Harry and I need to make sure that does not happen so I am fully putting Malfoy in his place mm-hmm. to you know further protect Harry
0: and I think it sends a message to everybody else like don't, don't. attack one don't attack Harry yeah <laughs> and two don't attack people when their back is turned I will not tolerate bullying mm-hmm. or like that sort of cowardly attack so right. like, he's kind of putting everybody on notice that like one, you shouldn't be attacking people generally. But two, like, if I see something like this happen, I'm going to intervene and you're not going to like it. Um, so it gets Harry on his side, as you were mentioning. Right. Because Harry is like, wow, movie's awesome. Right. <laughs> and um, that's a that's like a really um, easy way to get Harry to start trusting him. And Harry yes. does start to trust him.
1: He does. And I think what's what's really interesting to think about through this book is that is, like, what, who, who Barty Cross Jr. really is, and, and despite what we know about Barty Cross Jr. and his actual motivations and what happens in the book, are there ways in which his actions during the book genuinely helped Harry, genuinely helped the school, Mm -hmm. genuinely, like, had some lasting positive effects beyond the devastating negative effects that he caused which like is i don't think they can ever outweigh each other but i do think that in some ways i don't know if harry would ever think that we can talk about that later but that yeah there's actually positives that you know moody slash bcj
0: <laughs> yeah it's it's so fascinating right this is Honestly, this is my favorite part of this book, and it's why it's my favorite book in the series, is just this character study. Because we never really know what is the real Barty Crouch Jr. and what is his portrayal of Moody as a character. How much does he know about what Moody would have done in this situation or would not have done? How much is just his own... Like, Does he really believe in honorable combat and like mm-hmm. not being a coward or is he just trying to punish Malfoy? Does he really think like bullying is bad? Dark magic is like dangerous and should be respected. Or is he just trying to protect Harry? Like it's really tricky to unravel these motivations. And we don't really know Barty Crouch Jr. as a person because the line between who he is and the character that he's playing is so blurred. Um, But I think unraveling that in this podcast is going to be really fun to do. And I'm really looking forward to, um, reading more into all of that stuff throughout this reading of the book because it's not something that I've ever like fully unpacked mm-hmm. in my own readings um, so I'm really looking forward to that
1: thank you all for listening to Harry Podcast and Mad-Eye Moody we hope you've enjoyed our discussion of this chapter
0: if you have thoughts or questions about anything we've discussed today especially Malfoy the Amazing Bouncing Ferret please email us at contact at theharrypodcast.com
1: You can find out more about the show and listen to any of our episodes at theharrypodcast.com or on Apple Podcasts. Stay tuned for next time when we defend ourselves in Chapter 14, The Unforgivable Curses. I'm Madeline.
0: And I'm David, and we'll see you next time on The Harry Podcast.
1: Knox.